Hello, and welcome to More Than Abstract. I'm Prangel, and I'm joined by Eric. So how are you doing? Doing all right. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing, I'm doing good. Yeah, doing good. Do you think that you know your surroundings well enough that if you were to get lost you, and your phone ran out of battery and you didn't, didn't have a paper map, even though I guess that's hard to find anyway, do you think you could find your way around? I have. You have? Okay. Th- then again, I, I suppose you've lived in your area for a very long time. Before GPS was common, I there was like a road closure or something, and I kept track of the cardinal directions to get back to a main road because I knew the direction that should have been going. Oh, that's okay. That's yeah, that's pretty good. If I were in your situation, I wouldn't have been able to you know find my way around. I get lost so quick without my phone or Google Maps on. It was a wild time driving before GPS was in everybody's hands. Yeah, I, you know when I when I think back to it and I talk with my parents, I I always wonder and ask them like, how did you find your way around? All you would have to go by uh, to tell you where you are is just a bunch of signs and landmarks, and that's not exactly very exact. But they found their way around. Make two lefts and a right, and if you pass the giant rock, you've gone too far. Yeah, exactly like that. It, it was just wild to me. It just I can't imagine life without a map or my phone around me. That's what I want to talk about. Perfect. How people got around with maps in the very early days, and specifically like how people made maps back in the day. Before they uh, unlocked the cartography skill? Yeah. Well, I mean, this was the early parts of the cartography. Like, you're not very good at cartography, but like you know what it is. It's kind of like when people discovered germs and like they knew something was out there, didn't really know what to do with it. Ah, the tiny evil spirits that make you sick. That's right. I mean, how are you going to get away from an evil spirit? It's like, it's all around you. Anyways. Uh, you may expect this, but some of the earliest maps were of the night sky. I guess it's just easier to look up and draw some dots rather than drawing what you're standing on. Okay, that makes sense. That's where a lot of this problem with map making lies. It's just easier to draw something that's far away rather than something that's really close. Like, if you were to paint a landscape, uh, a waterfall, for example, naturally, you want to sit far away from it to get the whole picture, not mere feet away from the cliffside itself. Right. But that's what people had to deal with for a very long time in the early days when you had to paint these maps. They had to try to draw something that's really close to you, but take the perspective of something that's far away. Right. I, I, you can imagine how, how, how hard of a problem this is. And to get something that's usable out of that. Yeah, yeah. That's the toughest part. So, how would you discern a bigger picture when all you can see in front of you, in front of you is a small pixel? Climbing to someplace higher, if possible. Yeah, you, you got it. That's actually what a lot of people did. So, maps would look something like this. I haven't seen that before, but that makes a lot of sense. So this is a map of Budapest, or Budapest, where some painter just got up on a hill and started painting, you know, the the city in front of them. Uh, I'll post this picture on Twitter, so be sure to follow us uh, at More Abstract. So this is what a map of a city would look like. Some painter would get up onto a high vantage point in some nearby hill and then just paint whatever they see. Do you see anything wrong with this map? Say say you just want to use the map. It only makes sense from this direction. Yeah. 
that's one of it? I'm not sure. You know, you got a big part of it there. There are buildings obstructing each other. The painter drew unnecessary objects to fill the gaps. Like, you can see the two people on the trail. And usually when they had these older world maps, there were, and there was no land to draw, painters would just draw some sea monsters on there or something, I guess. I guess the painter was just doodling and left it there. So that's where they came from. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there there were always tales of sea monsters, and the painters were just like, eh, you know, maybe. Maybe there is a sea monster out there. You don't know. You ain't been there. The problem with this map is if you were looking for some bakery that's in this town, you couldn't just open up this map and search for it. Oh, no. The thing could e very easily be blocked by a dumb old watchtower, or they're looking in the wrong direction, as you said. But more importantly, if you're some military person and you want accurate maps without sea monsters in them to tell you things like garrison deployments or even defenses, you need something better than this. Absolutely. And, and that's where Leonardo da Vinci comes in. Uh, while he was very well known for his paintings and inventions, he couldn't really pay the bills uh, without a patron in those days, much like today. Some things never change. Yeah, so there was this guy who was a military architect, an engineer, also, uh, more importantly, son of the Pope, and he was going around Italy fighting battles and stuff. Uh, but he needed strategic maps for defenses and stuff like that. So da, fin da Vinci uh, made his way to this town called Imola in Italy and made this map with a bird's eye view of the city very uncommon it's it's not like it's it's like what we would see in google maps today but it was not the norm you would see pictures like budapest so he made the first like satellite view map yeah yeah he did cool it's surprisingly accurate it took a lot of effort to do it to do this he essentially traced out the buildings and streets by measuring the cardinal directions each street ran down and how far they went, and then put that all together into one oh. uh, singular map. So he mapped the streets, their lengths and directions, and put that together to form the, the structure that the other guy wanted in his map. Yeah, and then filled in the buildings and stuff after that. Interesting. It was incredibly accurate. Like, if you were to look at that map and Google Maps today... It, there are some buildings that are still there, and you'd think, this is pretty good, actually. And the guy that Da Vinci made this for was really impressed, so he hired him for a few years. So, you know, he gets paid and pays the bills and stuff. Not bad. But you might be wondering, that's great if you're in one place, in one city. But what about the bigger picture? Like a map of a country, for example. Or the world. Right. How, how do I get from one city to the other city? Mm -hmm. it's, it's a very good question. You could get lost along the road and you know, you know, you took a left turn at Arkansas or whatever the phrase is. So let's start with the country bit. Because, mostly because there's a neat story that goes along with that. Sounds good. So Louis XV of France really liked maps and wanted an accurate one drawn of his kingdom back in 1700s without all the sea monsters and fluff in the middle. So... He hired this guy named Cassini III uh, to make the most accurate map he could find of France. The guy got to work, measured distances between points, and, you know, did the angle of the compass just like Da Vinci did, 
and drew that over the course of 40 years. He oh my, that. what? He did that for 40 years, cataloging every town, every river, tributary, that he could find till he died of smallpox. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but that map was unfinished, and so his son, Cassini IV, took up his father's mantle and finished the map over a decade later. And he uh, is. How many Cassinis are there? There's a lot of Cassinis. <laughs> <laughs> so just take a look at that picture. All right. In the 1700s. In the 1700s. Specifically look at the lines yes. that he draws. Lots of triangles. Lots of triangles. He took paths where he, uh, say, went in one cardinal direction from one town to approximately another for a certain distance, and he made just a bunch of triangles around that. Doing that enough times, you can make a map of an entire country. That's actually really cool. It took 50 years and two generations to make. But he, at the time, he might have been one of the only people that's seen that much of the country. Yeah, he traveled everywhere. Throughout France. Well, um, four-fifths of it. Yeah, m most of France. <laughs> What's everything on the sides of the map? Are those all the ma the markers and the cities? That is all the cities. Uh, yeah, all, all the cities and um, their names. I don't know what the numbering system is. It's lat latitude and longitude. And then dis the distances from Paris. Oh, interesting. Well, so that would be the information he would have wanted. So that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a big uh, catalog. It was incredible. Maps like this that were incredibly accurate were invaluable at the time since it took so much work to make this and it was, it was harder than it was harder to get lost with one of those in your pockets. So these guys were so good at making making maps that there was a space probe that was named after them. I'm, I'm not sure if you remember the Cassini probe that orbited Saturn and studied it for like a few decades. Man, there's no end to these Cassinis. Yeah, I know. There's so many of them. They're even map-making in space. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that's countries. Okay. Uh, say you want to instead travel to another continent. How would you go about making a good map when you can't even make those triangles to tell the different distances in the ocean? Speaking of that, I saw the first map that contained the United States, and, like, it's so tiny. The United States <laughs> is so tiny. The entire map... it. It has Europe, Asia, Africa, all that. But then on the in the New World, it's basically all South America and a tiny little U.S. and Canada on the top. It's uh, perspective. Yeah, yeah. They, they didn't know what they were handling. No. I find it so funny sometimes, like, some, some of them just get the uh, part of the continent so wrong. Like, they make the, the U.K. to be massive while, like, I don't know, France is tiny or something. It reminds me of, like, the the sensory map of the human body, like, based on nerve endings. Oh, that, yeah. That's exactly yeah. what that reminds me of, where your hands are just massive. And everything else is tiny, yeah. It's... So, if you want to, let's say you want to try to get to another continent, how are you going to make a map to tell the distances of this? And you make it well and not, you know, disfigured in some way. Not whatever that guy did. That's where, that's where the map of the stars actually comes back into play. Oh, uh, Oh. You might have had to use this thing. Do you know what I'm talking about or going to say? No, I don't. I'm I'm going to uh, the, the thing that let people 
know where they were in the world by using this guy is called a sextant. I was thinking triangle, so that sounds a lot fancier. Okay. <laughs> in essence, you can tell which stars are which by how bright they are in their constellations and determine their distances between either the North Star or the Moon. And, that, and through that, you can tell your current latitude and longitude. I say that you might have had to use this because apparently in the U.S. Navy, uh, people are required to know how to use a sextant in the case of GPS failures. Uh, no. I can point a, a compass at things. That, that's about it, man. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, it's surprisingly accurate. You can get maps like this, which, which are surprisingly accurate. This is from the 1600s around a similar oh. time of when Da Vinci was making his map. Or no, 100 years after Da Vinci. Yeah, that's not bad. Okay. I mean, they have the, the, the normal problem of trying to put a 3D image on a 2D plane, but, you know. Mm -hmm. Note that uh, th they used circles and globes because they, at this time, knew the Earth was round. They knew the Earth was round since the ancient Greeks. Yeah, it wasn't really much of a question. Like, all the maps that you see from you know, ancient Greece, and since that time, people were like, yeah, it's, it's globe, idiot. <laughs> I love how they um, didn't use sea creatures, but there's people in the sky and just chilling on carts. Yeah, uh, they. I guess the, the painter wanted to doodle, but outside of where it's important. They missed Antarctica. Antarctica. They just I ignored that entirely. Had people been there yet? I don't think it was fully explored, but they must have known that there was some a bunch of ice down there. I guess they just ignored it. Yeah. So that's what early cartography was like. Then, obviously, more recently, we got planes and cameras to make photos, and it's easier to get a bird's-eye view of things, and then satellites and GPS, and here we are. With the best maps that you could ask for, all free, thanks to technology and so dependent on them yes oh yeah now going anywhere out of like a f we'll say five mile radius like unless i've been there before i'm putting my gps on every time like yeah what if there's construction now it can just tell me and tell me to go a different way like mm -hmm. i think if you told anyone that was making these maps that's what the future was you would blow their minds hmm yeah. Imagine having to, like, drive to, I don't know, your nearest Six Flags in the next state. Couldn't do it. No, I couldn't Too do much. it. But either way, that's all I have for you. So, what did you think? Maps are really interesting. <laughs> I haven't looked at um the earlier maps like these before, so it, it was definitely nice to take a look at the, the sharp improvement. Yeah, the cartographers were, well, some of them were surprisingly competent in their field. <laughs> <laughs> given their technology so I, I really like that cassini story like it's it's like it's like my father was a cartographer and i'll carry on the family business for king louis the 15th who was i think posed at the time that the map was finished for the rest of the kings of france then yes right right for napoleon and then the the other ones <laughs> the other ones exactly but no, it's cool that in the spirit of that, they named the uh, the Probe Cassini. Yeah, I, I thought it was a, a really nice homage that they did. So, uh, if you like this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review. Tell us what you think about it, and tell a friend. 
And for supplementary content, follow us on Twitter at More Abstract. And you can find more episodes wherever you get podcasts. Mm-hmm.